0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yo, it is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Friday, September the 14th, as we head into Weekend of Phillies Baseball with the Phillies host, the Marlins, and we could probably, a lot of us, not be Much less interested, sadly, as the Phillies season, as we discussed yesterday and really for the last week plus or so, has uh, officially, at least in my mind, come to an end. There will be no 2007-type glory for this team where they come back from seven down with 17 to play. Um, It's worse than that, but in in addition to that, it's um, uh, not going to happen, and I think we all kind of get that at this point when you look at a obviously how well the Braves have been playing and assuming that they are not going to fall into an utter collapse like the Mets did in 07 but more so how this Phillies team has been playing lately Uh, have not won a series since the end of July have lost uh, eight or nine straight series whatever it is just got swept by the Nationals they've lost three series in the last month just to the Nationals alone they're certainly both in standings and in reality a lot closer to falling to third place in the division behind the nationals than they are passing the Atlanta Braves for that first place slot so as we alluded to yesterday something to get into today we will look ahead to the weekend series in Miami and in doing so I also want to coming up a little bit later take a look at things to look for over these last 17 games things that you can root for or get excited about because obviously sadly while the whole season we've had the Ability to root for postseason success for the opportunity to even play in that wild card game or in the regular play NLDS by winning the division that has all been dashed. So, what we can look for over these last uh, 17 games, we will get into that as well. But as we discussed yesterday, I want to start the show off by. Uh, continuing what we'll do for the next couple of weeks is we will of course look ahead to 28 to 2018 off season 2019 and beyond and all that. As again as you know if you've listened to this show at all I'm very bullish about the future and what's going to happen this off season but for now it's time to look back on the season that was and and eulogize it remember it all that type of stuff as uh, again um, we'll get into some of the, the good times as well but You know, the first thing you do when you look at a a season that does not end with a playoff appearance or even when it does sometimes, but certainly in this case, a team that as recently as a month and a half ago was in first place, around first place, fighting for first place, and now clearly, definitively, the season grinding to a halt before many had hoped. So whenever that type of thing happens, you have to look back and say, you know, what went wrong? Where, uh, where did it go wrong? Why did it go wrong? And and who's to blame for it going wrong? And I think that last point, who's to blame, gets a little tricky because there there's a lot of blame to go around. It's not any one person's fault. I'm sure there are a lot of Phillies fans out there who would like to throw it all on Gabe Kapler and say, get that guy out of here. I knew he stunk. And, of course, that would be a silly thing to do and short-sighted because it is far from Gabe Kapler's fault. Gabe Kapler certainly played a role in it, but so did a lot of other people as well. We'll get to the blame Game coming up, but just looking at what went wrong and looking at a team that had been so fun for the first three and a half, four months of the season, where you really felt good about baseball in Philadelphia again for the first time in seven years. We talked so many times, so many times this year, I said things like, This is the biggest series in seven years in Philadelphia. And it was true each of those times because for the first time in a long time, we had a team that was competing deep into the summer and competing for something real in a playoff spot. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it kind of crumbled there. And I think there are a few things you can look at as to what went wrong. I I think first and foremost, as we've kind of discussed and alluded to, and, and many people have said, I think you have to step back and say, first and foremost, I don't think this team was as good as the record showed earlier in the season. We kind of fought against it. That the run differential said they weren't as good as they had been playing. Uh, you know the the uh, expected wins, Pythagorean theorem for wins, all those types of things, and of course um, just the fact that we were watching them every night and saying, how, "How are they winning these games? They're not even playing that well. They're not hitting. They're not fielding all that stuff." But I think that uh, I think they regressed a little bit and came back to earth. And it was tough because you watch them every night. And I said this yesterday, but it, it just really it was true that. While you knew that they weren't quite as good as the record showed in terms of talent level, uh, consistency, all that type of stuff, there still felt like a uh, a, a hudspeth of this team, a toughness, a resiliency, a ability to bounce back, etude, as it were. And I think that, um, I think we lost that over the last month and a half or so, and I think that's a clear sign of what went wrong. And I think that that was part of the reason I, I rallied against the idea that this team wasn't that good. And I still think, look, they're not a bad team. I think they're they're a team that could compete for a playoff spot. But I do think there was luck involved. And I think there was some toughness involved and some clutch hitting involved and the ability to find ways to win games and to never get too far down. I think all that mattered. And, and I think the biggest thing that went wrong is that stopped happening. You know, this team stopped... Being resilient. They stopped getting back up off the mat when they got knocked down and started saying down for longer and longer and longer and longer. And ultimately, it's, it's caught up to them. I think another thing that went wrong is the Phillies really never found a way to, to beat bad teams. And it's so crazy because as we all remember, and I think when you look back on the season, some of our fondest memories will be those games they played the four games the 2-1 uh 2-2 two, two game series home and away against the Boston Red Sox because they went toe to toe with a historically great baseball team, at least a historically great regular season team. And and they battled them. You know, if you're a Red Sox fan and you don't watch and you only watch the Red Sox play, the Phillies are probably one of the better teams in baseball in your mind because they played your team so tough. And it was exciting and heartening to see that and it gave us all positivity but then the team just struggled against teams that they had no business struggling against I mean losing more games than you win to the Mets that's bad this Nationals team not a good baseball team they have a lot of talent they have not put it together all year long yet when they're playing the Phillies they're world beaters And they've got clutch hits, and they find ways to pull games out. They were like the Phillies were earlier in the year whenever they're playing the Phillies. You lose series to the Marlins, the Blue Jays. These teams are not good. And yes, this Phillies team, not as good as we thought they were, but certainly better than the teams we just mentioned, at least certainly better than the Mets and the Marlins in terms of talent level, in terms of overall production on the season. And they couldn't beat those teams in big spots when it mattered. And that's another thing that went wrong with this season from a more micro level. I think you could say that Reese Hoskins got really cold at the wrong time. That's another thing that went wrong. Reese was, uh, you know, not having a, a MVP type season, but he was clearly the best hitter in the lineup for a long period of time. The streak he went on after the all-star break had seven homers in 10 days. He was seeing things great. There were street stretches of baseball where he was a great hitter this year. And then there were stretches where he went cold. But the worst and most important stretch was the 20-30 to game stretch over this past month and a half before hitting a few homers last weekend where Reese just went cold as ice. And, I mean, he had some of the worst at-bats I've ever seen him have over that stretch. I can't remember whether it was against the Nationals or the Mets, but he had a game where he was over 4 with three strikeouts and just looked lost. Lost out there. Not swinging at pitches down the middle for third strikes. Just all kinds of stuff where... Reeves went cold at the wrong time, and that happens. And again, you know, he's it's, it's 190 games in his career, or whatever it is, so um, you assume that with reps and time, that will that will improve. And then the consistency will be there more, and you're excited about the future with Hoskins, but he certainly didn't help them over the last month of the season, the most important month. Same thing with Odubel Herrera, but even longer. Odubel, just a, a lost disappointment of a season for that guy. Someone who there was such positivity about earlier this season when he obviously had the, what, 40-plus game, 43 game, 44 game, 42 game on base streak. One of the best hitters in baseball for the first month and a half or so. A significant amount of time. And then just awful. And a guy who used to be a really good defender was terrible out there this year. We never got that second O'Double hot streak, which I talked about yesterday. You always expect... You know, he'll get cold, but then it's coming back. And, and imagine what no Hotstreet hot streak could have done for this team over the last month and a half. Again, they're 11 and 23 in their last 34 games. So things have gone bad. Another thing that went wrong, and this is something that didn't just go wrong, but it's the kind of thing where when you do it bad all season and over and over and over again, eventually it catches up to you. And that's play defense. Again, I don't ever remember a team that played defense as poorly yet was competitive for as long as they were as the Phillies this year. They're an atrocious defensive team. One of the worst I've ever seen. From a talent perspective, from an execution perspective, everything. Just bad. And they were getting away with it for a long time. I think, look, I mean, you think about how many games they lost because of it. That that could be the difference between making the playoffs and not. You think about how many gut punch losses this team has this season and think about what a difference those games would make. If you win half of those 15, 16 games, all of a sudden it's a completely different story. So, um, the defense is the kind of thing where good teams just play good defense or fundamental defense, or they don't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. They don't make as many mistakes over such a long period of time. You just can't consistently do that. Baseball is a game of, of, of inches. It is too close that, that, you know, you have to, do the things that everyone else does to succeed. I mean, you can't not play fundamental baseball. You can't do the little, you can't not do the little things and have success. Especially when you're not talented enough. We talked yesterday about how you don't have to necessarily have a bunch of blue chip players to win a world series. We saw it with the Kansas city Royals. That's a team that had really no blue chip players on it. Eric Hosmer, a nice player, you know, no blue chippers, a really good team. But they were a team that did everything right. A team that played great defense. A team that ran the bases brilliantly. A team that was smart and used their heads. I mean, that's what you have to do if you're going to have a team that is not nearly as talented as some of the other teams you're playing against. You have to do all the little stuff. And this team did none of it. And again, I think that's a big factor that ultimately it caught up with them. And then, of course, you know, look, I think the... The biggest thing that went wrong is, is a young team uh, that maybe wasn't ready for the moment, who knows, but um, brought in some veterans, all that. But ultimately what happened is they ran out of gas. You know, They just didn't have enough left to make that run at the end. And and as we talked about yesterday, it's frustrating because you know they made these moves. They brought in Estrebo Cabrera and Wilson Ramos and Joey Batts and Justin Bourne. And they're cosmetic moves. They're moves that help a little bit but aren't the type of moves that are going to drastically change your fortunes. And as a result, watching this team struggle with those guys has probably been even more frustrating than if we had just seen the kids struggle. So, uh, and again, as we talked about yesterday, it's put a sour taste in people's mouth, which is the most frustrating part of this because on the whole has been such a positive season for the most part in terms of development, in terms of growth, in terms of, you know, seeing what you have. And then the last month and a half of it has kind of erased a lot of that. And it's, it's put a bad taste in people's mouth. And it's a shame because I ultimately think that when you consider where this team was last year, you consider the talent level on the team, the lack of experience from the player to the manager to all across the board. Uh, I think it's been a successful season, no matter how it's finished. It's certainly not the way you want to see it end, but I think it's been successful. And I think that in the long run, we'll look back at 2018 as the beginning of something rather than just another bad year or another year where you played better over your head and then just kind of fell apart, which, which ultimately is what happened. But um, I do think in the long run, we'll look back on it more fondly than we do in the moment now. But as I said before, you always got to find some way to blame. And I'm not a huge blame guy, but coming up, we will take a look at at where the blame lies. And then also, like I said, look ahead and and think about some things that we want to see over these 17 games. What can we look forward to? Before the season comes to a close, all that more coming up. It's Phillies today. It's James Seltzer. We're coming right back. We are back, Phillies today. James Seltzer, as we look ahead, coming up to the weekend series in Miami, as uh, more so looking ahead to what we want to see over these last two weeks, two and a half weeks of the season, to to see what there is to be excited about with a playoff spot now out of grasp for all intents and purposes. But quickly, I mentioned the blame game and. I'm not a huge blame guy. I think that you know I give blame where where warranted. I think that the tough thing to do with giving blame for this team this season is twofold. One, there's a fair amount of blame to go around. You know, you can blame Matt Clentak for the roster. Not being good enough, as we saw it play out, for not having enough arms in the bullpen, for not having enough starting pitchers, based on guys like Eflin just wearing out and having nothing left at the end of the season. You can blame Matt Glintag for making cosmetic moves that ultimately brought in some older guys who didn't contribute enough and took some development time away from the youngsters. I think those are all fair complaints. Uh, I, you know, to the to the other side, I would argue that. I never expected this team to compete this year. I don't think Matt Clentac and the organization did either. And thus, I think that this roster is a work in progress. I think that they weren't planning for this roster to be the roster they competed for. And I think that Clentac tried to make some moves to supplement them, some things that he could do to maybe make them a little better while not sacrificing any part of the future. And uh, I think that was a try worth taking and it ultimately didn't work out. So... I can understand it. Um, you can put Gabe on, blame on Gabe Kapler. I think there's a fair amount of blame for Kapler. I think that when you look at um, obviously the the fundamental type stuff, the defense, I blame the players a lot for that too. But those are your guys. You're the manager. You have to do a better job of making sure that these types of things don't continue to happen. And I'm sure there will be, you know, look, Kapler hasn't been a perfect manager this year. He's made mistakes. Personally, I think he's learned from them, and I think he's growing and getting better, but absolutely Gabe Kapler deserves some, some blame. Hey, you know, look, you're the manager of the baseball team, and this team's 11-23 and 23 over their most, excuse me, 11, yeah, 11-23 and 23 over their most important stretch of the season. Sorry, some of that's on you. Now, to the flip side, I would say that first-year manager took a team of less talent than, you know, what, uh, what it proved to be over the first two and a half months of the three and a half months of the season and and did a lot with it, and now it's starting to come back to earth. And I feel like he's learned. I feel like he's grown. He's clearly a smart guy. He's a baseball guy. Played in the league for over a decade. We always forget that. But I think that he's learned, and I'm willing to give him a chance to grow and to get better. And I think ultimately, personally, when you look at Kapler, while, well, again, he does deserve some blame, I actually think he's done a really good job in his first year as a manager. I would give him a, a positive grade, moving for positive grade for positive K, right? But I uh, I do think that um, I think that ultimately Kepler is going to be a very good manager, and I think this was the first step in that. But look, I think there's blame there as well, and then there's blame for the players. There's no question about it. You know, you got to get you got to make plays, and again, as we discussed, the talent level below where you want it to be, but defensively, while the talent is bad, and that's part of the reason that I I hesitate to blame Kapler as much as you probably should for a manager whose team plays so poorly on defense, but it's a bunch of bad defensive players out there. But at the same time, the mental mistakes, the, the physical mistakes, all that type of stuff is partially on Kapler but also partially on these players who've been playing baseball their entire lives and they should know where to throw the ball in a situation. They should know not to throw a ball in a situation. They should know that they have to be covering a base, whatever it is, whatever the many maladies and mistakes we've seen this season. I blame the players for that as well. So I I think that, again, that's why it's tough here to give blame because you can really parse blame around. And I didn't even talk about John Maley in the – seemingly poor job the hitting coach has done. The staff there has done in terms of not seeing much development from guys this year. I think Rick Cran, probably one of the few people you wouldn't throw blame at is the pitching staff certainly overachieved, but look, I think there's blame to go around. And sometimes, uh, you know, the, the roster had some issues, the manager had some issues, the players had some issues, it happens. But the reason I said it was twofold before is because, while we want to place blame, and while there is blame deserved for a a failure towards the end of the season, I also think that we should be giving credit to this team for what they've done already, and yes, it's a big collapse, yes, it puts a bad taste on it, but this is still a positive season, we've seen growth from guys, we've seen guys um, learn to fight through adversity, learn to Play in, in important games. Play in big games. And I think all that stuff matters. And I think it'll matter moving into the future. So uh, while there's blame for the collapse and, and we're going to want to put blame and people will put blame, I do think that, again, the the stepping back and having some perspective on it, I think there should be less blame and more positivity, to use that word again, um, than we're probably getting at the moment and and warranted from the way it feels in the moment. But ultimately, I think once we step back, it will be a better taste in our mouths. And and looking forward, like I said, um, while we don't have the playoffs, the carrot, the excitement, the potential of it anymore, and that stings and it burns and it's turned a lot of people off from the team right now, as I said, kind of a sour taste in people's mouths But there are still some things to get excited about over the last 17 games of the season. Sure, it won't have that same kind of fire to it, that same kind of excitement, but I want to see guys grow and develop. I want to see how Scott Kingery and look, J.P. Crawford two nights ago awesome game it's a home run three hits had a really good night i want to see jp crawford play i want to see scott kingery play i want to see reese hoskins finish out his first 162 game schedule season and i know we missed a few games in there but i want to see aaron nolan granted probably not going to win the Cy young at this point but i want to see nola finish out what has been one of the better seasons of philadelphia phillies pitcher has ever had you know that's something fun that we can look to We can look to see how the team responds to this. I think there's something exciting in seeing if this team can find a way to pull themselves out of this this tailspin. And granted, yes, quote-unquote, too late for all intents and purposes, but it would still be great to see this group of young guys, and hopefully it is the younger guys playing, See those guys pull themselves out of this and finish the season with a little respectability and pull themselves out of the tail slide, even if they finish the season at a five hundred pace. You know, go nine and eight or eight and nine over the last seventeen. That'd be something. Win a series. And again, these are very small pacifiers, so to speak. When we all were thinking playoffs, we all were talking about October baseball and seeing Nola pitch in a big game in in October and all that type of stuff, of course, it's it's not. I'm not saying that. Uh, hey, it's all good. I get it. But I am saying that there's 17 more games this Philly season until next April. It's a long time. I know that every time April comes around, I'm dying for the Phillies to play again, even when I know. And uh, those few years, a little you know before the season, where I knew they had no chance, and this year was a breath of fresh air, at least to give us some fun baseball and remind us what that 's like here and again, I think there 's a lot more of that to come, but um I think with that in mind it 's worth having fun these last seventeen games and looking for positives and looking for youth coming through in big spots and getting some more reps in the majors and some of the youngsters who get a chance to play and and seeing how Kapler handles this. I'm really intrigued to see how Gabe Kapler handles this. This is his team's most prolonged, most pronounced slump of his entire managerial career so far. He's got two and a half weeks left in the season to try and rectify that, try and put a good spin on the end of the season. I'm really intrigued to see how Kapler handles it. So I think there's interesting stuff to look for over this last two and a half weeks of the season. And, um, and we can of course hope for the best, obviously um, playoffs will not happen, but I would really like to see this team finish this out season out stronger at least. And see some of the young guys get an opportunity to, um, to get some more reps up there. Uh, All right. This weekend, Miami coming into town, who knows with rain and stuff, um, what happens here? Hopefully they can get all these games in. I don't think the worst of it's supposed to start till next week, but Eflin against Wei Yin Chen tonight, starting off the series tomorrow night. Vincent Velasquez uh, against Hernandez for the Marlins. And then in the capper on Sunday, Jake Garietta takes it against Jose Urena. Of course, Urena, the jerk who threw it, Ronald Acuna, if you remember that whole thing. But um, regardless, look, um, like I said, while uh, it doesn't have the same judge, as it were that it has over the first three and a half months of the season, while it doesn't have the same fire excitement, there's still fun to be had over these last two and a half weeks. And, and the last chance to enjoy baseball for six months or five months or whatever it is. So hopefully get behind this team and and hopefully it's a fun finish the season and that maybe they can kind of turn this end around and make people feel a little bit better about the way the season ended. All right. uh, Everyone have a wonderful weekend. I'll be back Monday with Phillies today. We'll break down the weekend's action and, Continue to uh, eulogize the season and look ahead to 2019 and and beyond and all that. So uh, all that coming up next week and after uh, that as well. And then, uh, of course, until then, keep it here. We've got you covered all weekend long right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?